Hi everyone and welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Kira Palme joining me today. Kira, thank you for being on the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Kira helps coaches get clients so they can change more lives. She's also the host of the Passionate and Profitable podcast and she's the best-selling author of Dominate Life, How to Get Clarity, Find Your Passion and Live a Life You Choose. Kira battled cancer during her teenage years which caused her to feel very different than her peers. She decided to use her differences to make a difference. So she created a service-based business and started teaching other entrepreneurs how to do the same. So I can tell we've definitely got a little bit of a story and history to dig into, Kira. So I thought we'd start with where you were born and what it was like for you growing up. Cool. Well, I was born in New York and uh, lived most of my life in New Jersey, uh, South Jersey, kind of closer to Philadelphia. And uh, and yeah, I mean, growing up was uh, all good. I had both of my parents and... Uh, lived in the suburbs and things were fine. I mean, I always felt like I was different. I was always very creative and kind of an introvert growing up. I would always Mm. just like do arts and crafts as a child and separate myself at parties and things of that nature. But typically people would follow me and, and start looking at the art I was creating and they would start to look at what I was doing and Um, It just seemed like naturally other people started to follow me, even though um, I was just trying to get away from everyone at that time of my life. Um, Mm. But yeah, I mean, definitely, as as you said, like there's some sort of story for me to share. When I was 16, I was diagnosed with cancer. And that was really the thing that changed my life in a really profound way. I mean, I just wanted to be normal, but I couldn't go to school with my peers because I was too sick. I lost all my hair because I was on chemo and I just felt so insecure about it. And one day I decided to show up to school to, you know, try to see all my peers. And unfortunately, one of the students at my school decided to try to yank off my wig in the middle of the hallway in in front of my other classmates and it was at that point in my life that i just felt so alone and so different and i just never felt like i was going to ever find my way or fit in anywhere so i naturally went home that day i left school and kind of locked myself in my bedroom for a while and i started wondering like what else is there out there and uh is there anyone else that feels the way that I do? Because I can't be the only one on this planet. And that's when I started looking for like-minded people. And I started doing research straight from my laptop. And that's when I discovered the power of using the internet to connect with other people and uh, really help them get through their challenges. Uh, Even though, of course, I had my own challenges and I felt like an imposter because I was like, who am I to start helping other people online? Like, my life is a shit show. Uh, But I found so much therapy in in finding other people who felt like loners or felt like they were victims to their own story. And for me to be able to help other people in that way gave me more of a purpose so that I could get out of my bedroom and I could go out back into the world. And after I was uh, cured of cancer, I found this new meaning in my life that led to uh, the start of my entrepreneurial journey. Right. Awesome. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot that you said there that, that I can relate to. So if, if you don't know anything about me, I've got uh, cystic fibrosis and diabetes, Kira. So when I, when I was first diagnosed, I can definitely relate to this idea of being different. And I think a lot of people go through that, like yeah. whether they have certain conditions or not, they, they go through a process of realizing how different they are from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we go through a point where we st- Start trying to hide our differences, maybe, or other people start trying to exaggerate them. And for, for people like yourself and, and myself, it's even more so, isn't it? So when when you were diagnosed, you probably thought, "Well, am I am I too different?" I mean, is, is that the sort of things that that were running through your head? Yeah, I was really upset because when you're in high school, I mean, especially as a female, I mean, I had so many insecurities, and I just wanted to be cool, and I just wanted to fit in, but 
for me to find out that that really wasn't an option, um, it, it was devastating. It, it really, really hurt me. I mean, um, you know, I couldn't go out and party with my friends. I couldn't even show up to school. I used to complain about how boring school was and how I wish I could just drop out. And then all of a sudden I couldn't go to school. And I was like, damn, school sounds really, really good right about now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it wasn't an option. So of course, we all, we all always want what we don't have typically. And that's what like drives us to move forward. And back then I just wanted normalcy. I just wanted to be normal. And it's funny. Um, now that's like my biggest fear. I'm like, no way. I don't want to be normal. Like that, that is a nightmare. <laughs> so now looking back on my story, I am so grateful that I went through it because uh, it, it really empowered me to find my unique voice and how to use my differences to make a difference. So I feel like that's what I've done and that's what I'm going to continue to do for the rest of my life because that that journey is never going to end no of course not and uh, just before we we move on you know, just just want to say uh congratulations on getting all clear i mean i'm not sure how long ago that was for you but it must have been a big sigh of relief for you to to hear those words I and mean, what what did you take away from that that actually meant that you could do something with it so a lot of people might have things knock them back they might have certain things they have to overcome but then some people just go on with their life afterwards as if nothing happened what what, what do you think caused that change that made you think that you could do something with it afterwards yeah well I'll never forget after I was diagnosed I just went back into my hospital room and I was by myself and I was kind of just looking out the window and wondering like what the hell is all of this like life like what what is this why am i here um like what is all this stuff going on with my health and if this were all to end today do i feel like my life had any sort of meaning and so having cancer and going through that experience triggered me to ask really deep questions that i never would have started asking especially at the age of 16 but since i started asking really deep questions at a young age it, it led me on this journey of personal development and growth and trust me it didn't start straight away i mean once i found out that i was cured of cancer i was actually relieved but I was so emotionally disturbed by all of the things that I had just gone through that I went through a really dark phase in my life where I was volatile and just emotionally reactive. And um, it, it was it was crazy, you know. <laughs> it was like me against <laughs> the world, like F the police. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was an interesting experience. But finally, after all of that, I... I hit a rock bottom where I kind of woke up and realized like, hey, I created a terrible life for myself. You know, I went through cancer and I, and I survived, but now I have this story that no one understands me and I'm just different and, and life is hard. And since I created these stories, it, it just created a terrible reality for me. And, and when I hit rock bottom, I woke up and realized that if I created this sort of reality, then I can definitely create a different one. And that's when I started really um, like going to events and actually meeting people in person who thought like me and, and dreamt like me and encouraged my dreams rather than saying that's stupid. And uh, so, yeah, that entire journey and just like knowing that I was cured, it, it was a long process and it wasn't all just like super beautiful. Like I certainly did not have some sort of spiritual awakening overnight uh, but over the course of uh, several years, it happened and uh, and it shifted me in a way that uh, I can never go back to the way I was in the past where I truly believe I was living on autopilot. And I'm so grateful that the experience happened to me because now I'm a lot more aware that I can make a difference while I'm alive and I can live a meaningful life and my life is meaningful right now. Um, and so it really, really just inspired me to step up in a different type of way. Right. So you mentioned a lot of things there that definitely sparked some, oh, I need to find out what this is, type, 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 type questions. Um, so what, 
what questions did you actually ask? So we often hear that we, we ask ourselves questions quite often anyway, but what, what caused this to kind of shift towards not being on autopilot and what sort of questions did you use to actually make that change? Because obviously if we ask, if we ask certain questions, we'll get certain answers. So what, what were your questions? Right. Um, at first, my question was, what is my purpose? Like, where do I fit in? And there was just a lot of pressure that came along with that, those questions, because um, as long as I continued to ask what my purpose was, I wasn't able to identify or spot my purpose, even if it was right in front of my face, because I was always asking the same damn question. So finally, I gave up on this idea that I needed to know my life's purpose. And I just started waking up each morning and say um, and ask, how can I contribute to other people today? Like, what is the highest level of contribution I can offer today? How does that look? How can I show up today? And, uh, you know, and that just inspired me to start serving more people from a place of not having an agenda and uh, just giving, just giving without any expectation. And I believe that that um, action and the energy, like the, the great energy that I had behind my actions really helped people develop trust in me and believe in me and help them move forward in their own journeys and, and create transformations in their own lives, uh, which essentially started a business for me, which I'm, I'm still in. So, you know, I still ask that question, like, how can I serve at the greatest level today? Or what's the highest level of contribution I can offer to the world today? Uh, questions like that really helped me show up differently. All right, cool. So were you always trying to, to contribute to others or did, did these sort of occurrences cause that shift into you trying to help others a little bit more? I mean, what was it like to, to make that shift or did you, have, did you actually make that shift in the first place? Right. No, I was not always, uh, you know, oriented towards contribution. I mean, I was a selfish asshole, <laughs> you know, especially when I was 16, 17. I mean, I, uh, I went through my own struggles and, and my own victim stories for a while, definitely throughout college. Um, I think it wasn't until I was like 22 that I finally woke up and was like, whoa, I need to do something and I need to create something way better than what I've created or else I'm going to live on autopilot again. And so um, that was the time too that I was graduating college and I just had these feelings of, oh shit, like, is this it? Like, am I just going to pursue the thing that I studied and got a degree in because I don't even like that thing. So <laughs> I had so much uh, nervous energy leaving college because there was so much uncertainty um, that it caused me to pick up meditation, um, not even like out of interest, but like almost out of survival. I mean, I was so nervous to the point that I was having panic attacks uh, on the regular because I was like, what am I doing with my life? I, I don't like my the thing I got a degree in. I, I don't know what, what's in the future for me. And I was putting so much pressure on myself that, um, like I said, I, it, it was detrimental to my health. So um, out of uh, almost survival mode, I started reading about meditation and mindfulness and even about how diet could affect my well-being and my mindset. And I really started to transform my life radically just on my own, doing these little daily practices uh, with health and spirituality. And uh, everything evolved from there. But I think once I started taking care of myself and appreciating who I was, then that's when I was able to shift things and uh, finally operate out of the mindset like, okay, my glass is full, so how can I now contribute to others? And that's when this whole journey started. Maybe I was like 23 years old. I went to my first Tony Robbins event. And uh, I feel like when everyone goes to their first Tony Robbins event, they're like, that's when my journey began. Um, but like, it's true. Like it, it, it really, really created a deep shift in me when I went to that first Unleash the Power Within by Tony Robbins. 
Um, and then that's when I realized I wanted to be, I wanted to be a humble servant and I wanted to live my life in service to others. Um, and it definitely took a while of me fumbling and trying to figure out what that would look like. And then uh, it took me even longer through fumbling and trying to figure out exactly how the hell to get paid <laughs> to do that stuff. Uh, but, you know, now everything's in a great place. And uh, yeah, so I had to first take care of myself before I was able to even have the mindset to contribute to others. And then I realized contributing to others made me feel a lot better. So um, it was just like this awesome self-fulfilling prophecy. Ah, so it's, it, it seems like you, you went through another phase at college then, which caused you to to suddenly go down this road of contributing to others. Was there anything that you can pinpoint that that helped you make that shift or cause that shift? Because it doesn't, it doesn't happen for everybody. You know, some people just sort of do the things that they do, so to speak. But you, you had a definite shift towards helping others, which, which then eventually caused you to go to your, your first Tony Robbins event. So what, what, what do you think you could pinpoint that actually caused that shift, if, if you can maybe think back to that yeah well it was definitely that rock bottom experience i was talking about earlier i mean uh things were terrible in college i was just uh not being a good person because i was still living in my story about how i was so angry that i had cancer and i was so angry because no one understood me um and just through that like operating through that mindset caused me not to trust people and, um, you know, I was in detrimental relationships and, um, you know, lots of physical stuff happening there. And um, my very own friends, like, turned on me. My entire house got robbed one day. Um, wow. Like, all of these things happened in one day where my house got robbed and, like, I got beat up by someone that I thought I loved. Um, and, like, it was one thing after another. My wallet, I left my wallet on public transportation and someone took my wallet and was using my cards. And like uh, one thing after another um, just blew up in my face. Um, you know, it, it was, there was way more to it than that, but I don't want to like bore you with my ghetto drama story, but like, <laughs> it was like, you know, I was really living this dangerous sort of life where I was really testing uh, the limits physically, legally, um, and everything blew up in my face all in one day. And, and that's the day I just kind of um, came home, realized my entire house was robbed. I had no belongings anymore, no money, um, and, and no friends really. So I just kind of like laid on the floor in my empty house and was like, well, shit, <laughs> you know, I'm like, damn, my life really sucks. And I totally created this. I started for the first time realizing how I created this terrible reality and that was the first time I realized that I was responsible for creating my reality, no matter how shitty or how incredible it could potentially be. And that is the day that things got so painful that I made a conscious decision to decide to create a new reality, no matter how challenging it would be. Uh, so, you know, I made that turn of not trusting anyone and, and kind of like being this kind of shady, um, volatile person that was like always living on the edge of my emotions. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, today I'm going to study meditation and I'm going to try meditating and I'm going to talk to God and like see if he answers. Um, you know, and it was like such a shift within literally one day, but I made a decision that I never turned back on. Um, and, and, you know, and that, that's always evolving. Like the, the actions I'm taking on a daily basis to live a better life, those actions are always evolving. Um, but so am I, like my spirit has evolved and my life has radically transformed as a result of me just hitting rock bottom at one point and making a decision that things needed to change and they needed to change right away. Uh, all right. Well, it can't have been easy for you to actually tell yourself that you created it. It can't have been, you know, when all those things are going on, for you to basically lie there and say, this is all on you, Kira, you know, you've, you've done this. It's, it's something that you've created. I mean, that, that can't have been easy. 
No, no. But for whatever reason, I, I for, for for the first time, I took the blame. I took the blame for it, and uh, I had to. I had to because if I didn't, then I knew my life would continue to be this victimized shit show, and I certainly did not want the rest of my life to be that way. I mean, I was only 22. I knew I had a lot more years if I didn't kill myself with uh, whatever it was I was doing. And uh, I, I just knew that I wanted to take the initiative to live an awesome life. I mean, for, for people listening to this, I mean, it, it's, it's often the case where people try to, to put the responsibility perhaps on, on other rather than taking responsibility themselves. So you definitely took the, the path, the path less, less traveled, so to speak, just to, to put yourself in that place. I mean, was that something that, that you see being a popular thing and with the people that you spend your time with? Or what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, that was definitely not a popular thing. I mean, in college, I smoked weed 24-7. So, <laughs> you know, we were, we were definitely not having high-level conversations about how to improve our lives uh, with total transparency, you know. But now, the people that I hang out with, like, I'm only talking about people. I'm only spending time with people who want to talk about the universe and like how to live a kick-ass life and uh, how to take things to the next level. Like uh, those conversations I'm in are so prevalent now because my peer group uh, supports that because that's, that's what I want is I want to live a kick-ass life. So I might as well stay in that conversation with people who believe that it's possible um, because, you know, I don't surround myself with naysayers uh, that think that that's all just positive thinking bullshit or I don't want to spend my time with people who are just kind of neutral about it and say like, oh, that's cool that you believe that. But, you know, I'm just I'm cool in my life. You know, like I, I'm glad that people like that are happy, but I like to spend time with people who really, really energize me and inspire me to step into my greatness. All right. So what what happened post Tony Robbins events after you had this big okay this is the way I want to live my life what was the next steps for you the next step was I became a health coach through Institute for Integrative Nutrition because I went through the fourth day of Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within which is all about nutrition and that is the first time that I really really realized the the impact that the food I was eating had on my body and on the world as well. So um, I wanted to detoxify from all the crap that I had stored in my body from chemotherapy and everything like that. Um, so with all those different uh, considerations in combination, I decided to study health coaching and I also became a personal trainer and uh, then I started health coaching. I had one health coaching client. Uh, and then as a personal trainer, I like did not understand business whatsoever. So I tried to launch an online coaching business and I like spent so long building out the program and it was so cool. Um, but again, since I didn't know how to market, no one bought that damn program that I spent like 50 to 100 hours creating. So I just dragged my ass to a local gym and I got a job at a gym because I figured if I don't have clients, then they do and, and they can help me make some money. So um, I was working at different gyms for like $15 a session uh, doing like part-time work. So, uh, you know, it was, it was hard. It was, it was a struggle as a personal trainer doing sessions at five in the morning and then having other clients who are only available at 10 at night and, you know, running to different gyms on the in-between and, and rushing to classes and like walking out of the class. And I lived in the city of Philadelphia. So, you know, I was always getting parking tickets and uh, taking trains to different gyms and, and to different classes. And uh, it was really exhausting for a while. So I did that for like one to two years and then, uh, actually, I think you might have interviewed my friend, AJ Mirzad. I have, yeah. Yeah, well, AJ's a dear friend of mine, and, and he knew me at that time, and, and he knew I was going through a tough 
time, but he was too, because his business was in a phase where it was really taking off and, and starting to grow. He created this brand new business where he was teaching personal trainers how to build online coaching businesses. And he saw the power in me and he also needed help because he's like, dude, I'm the only one running this business and I am freaking exhausted. <laughs> and so he asked for my help and I was like, man, if you can just match what the gym is paying me and, and I can just work from home in my living room and, and not have to run all around the city and, and pay for parking tickets every day, then sign me up. Like, let's do this. Um, so I became AJ's virtual assistant at first and was just helping build out the back end of his company. And it was really cool because um, I had no idea at the time that this was going to become a multi-million dollar company. So here I am like starting, like all I asked for was $15 an hour because that's how like, in that's how um, little self-worth I had. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm new to this. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe I can do anything. Like just match, match my price at the gym. And, and, you know, years later now, it's like that company is, uh, is just crushing it. And it's so cool to look back and be like, oh, I, I really, really feel like I contributed to like how awesome that company is. Um, so eventually as I was like doing virtual assistant work, AJ was like, man, you're really good at this. Like, why don't you start coaching my clients? And so I felt a total incongruence because I was now all of a sudden coaching online trainers how to take their businesses to the next level when I didn't even have a business. But AJ taught me the framework and reassured me that everyone has imposter syndrome when they start out. And so I just started coaching the clients and I got really, really good at understanding marketing. And I knew the, the processes to attract clients online. Um, but I still didn't have enough self-belief to do it for myself. So it was really easy for me to tell other people what to do, but, uh, I wasn't applying it to my own life. And I think that that's fine because I definitely believe in divine timing. And I spent a couple of years with AJ working for online super coach. And I, I really, really feel like I, I mastered everything that we were teaching there. Um, and then after that, I actually started working for Tony Robbins and, uh, I became a results coach at his company. And so that was, that was an amazing opportunity. So I had to leave online super coach in order to start working for Tony Robbins. But the training that we received through working with Tony was just so unbelievable that for the first time, I actually started to believe in myself. And for the first time, it was ironic because I just got a brand new job at Tony Robbins company. But the training that they gave us was so good that I was like, shit, I think I can just start my own business now. Like, AJ oh, yeah. taught me how to do marketing. Tony told me how to believe in myself no matter what. And so it was only a matter of about six months that I, I was working for Tony Robbins and like got great experience there. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pull the trigger and start my own business for the first time. I'm, you know, there's, there's never going to be a point in my life where I'm going to feel ready. So let's just do it, Kira. And I, I gave myself that pep talk and um, I, I was so nervous, but I, I quit my job and I hired a mentor for $10,000. Um, when I only had, I think like $700 in my account. So I actually had to go to the bank and take out a loan to hire a business mentor. But I was so committed um, because I had lived in so much pain of just being a trainer and, and running around and not having any money. You know, at, at some points, I didn't even tell you like the not so glamorous points of this story. I was delivering groceries to try to make extra money. Um, yeah. You know, I worked at Home Depot doing sales for cabinet refacing. You know, I, I was doing these things. I didn't give a shit about cabinet refacing, but, you know, I was getting <laughs> evicted from my apartment because I couldn't pay any of the my rent, you know. So eventually I, I did get evicted. I had to move out and I moved back home with mom. But, uh, you know, I felt so incongruent being a Tony Robbins coach while living at my mom's house because I was living uh, out of scarcity, like not believing that I could could really follow my dreams. 
But in the meantime, I was on the phone with my clients like, yeah, live, live fearlessly, uh, do what you love. And, and I was looking around at my life and I'm like, damn, well, why, why aren't I listening to what I'm saying to my clients? Because that shit sounds really good right about now. Um, so, you know, I, I had that painful point in my life where things just stacked up and I said, you know what, enough is enough. It's time to raise my standards. So I spent to me what was painful amounts of money to transform my life. So I took, I took that mentorship so seriously. And uh, that's when I started my business where I started teaching coaches how to build profitable online coaching businesses. And that's still what I do today. Right. Well, I mean, I've, I've got to ask. I mean, what was it like working for Tony Robbins? I mean, did you meet the guy? Was it, is he as amazing and, and you know, jumpy and, and, and all kinds of things in real life? Did you actually meet him or not? No. See, Tony's businesses are highly leveraged. I mean, he believes that every business you build, you should uh, have in mind from day one, like how you're going to scale it because he believes in scaling. So I think he has like 13 or 14 companies and his coaching company was just another one of those companies. So, um, at times he came on calls and things of that nature. But when it came to like training his staff, um, well, first off, the interview process was freaking nuts. Um, I'm actually not really allowed to share exactly what happens uh, okay. when, when you go through that job interview process, but like, it's not like sitting down on a desk and giving people your resume and, and talking about what value you can provide for them. No, like it's four months. They really, really push your limits. They, they give you lots of challenges to see whether you cry and give up and, you know, run home and call your mommy or if you can step up to the plate and, and deliver. And the resume didn't matter. It was all about your character. And, uh, and, and I heard that it's changed since then. I heard that since now someone else runs the coaching department, they are concerned about your coaching credentials and things like that. But uh, my only credential was a health coach. So they just believed in me because of the way that I showed up in the training. And they dwindled, they dwindled everything down from like 2,000 applicants to 25 people that they actually hired at the end of the day. And I was one of them. So um, by the time I got the job, I was so grateful. I felt so proud of myself. Um, I felt more connected with the organization because I respected them more for not just like giving me the job. Um, so I would say I learned so much from that interview process alone. And then just the experience that I got uh, once I started working for the company was great. It was life changing because I was so afraid to have that first client uh, and, and she actually asked for a different coach behind my back. She called the company and said, Hey, I think the, that my new coach is like scripting everything. Like, I think she's reading off of a sheet of paper. She sounded really nervous. Um, and that was true. I was reading off a script when I had my first client, um, but client after client, I started actually getting people results. And I was like, wow, I'm really damn good at this. So uh, that experience was exactly what I needed to have the belief in myself that I could do whatever, uh, whatever I wanted to do. Um, and of course, being able to see the back end of, of the coaching business and understand how that works, um, that was really insightful as well. So all in all, working for Tony Robbins was a really life-changing experience. I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity, and I'm, I'm grateful to Tony forever because he's changed my life. Um, I'm here living with a man that I, uh, you know, my boyfriend, I, I met him while I was volunteering. So, um, so many incredible things have happened since I got involved with that organization. Oh, definitely. I mean, just just from everything that you've said there, I mean, it's, it sounds like just the interview process alone could have had some real shifts. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it, I'm just, you know, I really hope Tony might listen to this. You never know. Yes. <laughs> so before we before we dive into to your business then that you're doing at the minute, um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on somebody else encouraging you to have more belief in yourself. So it's almost like we often talk about, or at least I often hear 
that if you look for things on the outside, it's not exactly going to help things on the inside. You know, mm-hmm. if you look for feedback and things, it's going to, it's going to get harder to see things on the inside. Whereas from what you've told me there, it's almost like the feedback that you get from others, all is, it is kind of what almost helped you get to that point where you started to believe in yourself. I mean, you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong on that, but what, what, what are your thoughts on that idea? Well, yeah, I mean, I was just so immersed in an experience of transformation. Like I said, the job interview alone was a four-month process. So um, since I was so heavily um, immersed in this situation where I was challenged so much and put to the test and I delivered time after time again, even if I was tired, even if I wanted to cry and call my mommy, which I secretly did, um, I, I just was so proud of the way I showed up and how at the end of the day, I got that job. So it shifted my identity. And that is, that's something that will change your life. If you are able to create beliefs and adopt them, but then put them into action time and t- time after time, and you do so so many times to the point that it shifts your identity and the way that you perceive uh, the person you are, then like that'll transform your life. And uh, so now I like truly believe that I can do whatever I set my mind to. I I truly believe that. In the past, I might have said that and it sounded like a really cool quote that I might have just read on Instagram, you know, but it like it didn't feel like it was uh, something that was really true for me. And and now I I truly believe that because it's ingrained in my identity. So. uh, So, yeah, sometimes people do need to hear like validation from others like and, and I still hire mentors and I still know what the hell to do. You know, sometimes it's like, hey, Kira, just raise your prices. And, and I already knew that. And I'm like, damn, well, why did I pay you $25,000 to just tell me to raise my prices? But sometimes we just need permission from others to really step into our greatness. And so I think everyone should definitely have at least one person in their lives that will be that person that believes in them and holds them to a higher standard and and gives them permission to step into their greatness. But otherwise, you've got to do the work behind the scenes 24-7 to manage your state and and shift your focus and focus upon how you're going to achieve what you want in life. And uh, of course, you don't want to focus on achievement 24-7 or else you'll, you'll go nuts and burn out. Um, but whatever it is that you desire, just focus on what that would look like in an ideal situation and just operate from the energy as if it's already happened. And as you continue to believe that um, and take it on as, as like the person you are, then that will definitely shift your reality dramatically. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely echo that and agree with that, Kira. I mean, it it's it's often a difficult thing to to get across to some people but if it's easier for you to just have someone else say you're on the right track just do this just do that even if it's simply them repeating what you're already telling yourself you should probably do sometimes that's if that's the easiest way of actually getting you to do it rather than trying to do the work 24 7 every single day just, just to encourage yourself to maybe do it. If someone else just says, look, you're on the right track, just do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be fine. If that's all that it can take, just to have that, have that feedback you know, from, from outside of yourself, if that's all it takes, then the way I see it, that's got to be time or, or money well spent if it means that you actually move forward. Yeah, and that's why I uh, constantly invest in mentors because – Everyone has fears and insecurities. It's not like I went through Tony Robbins training and then for the rest of my life, I'm like, oh, I am unstoppable. Um, <laughs> you know, like I just, I, some mornings I wake up and I'm like, shit, what am I doing? Like, am I really cut out for this? And uh, I'm brave enough to admit that I still have those thoughts because I think every entrepreneur does where they're like, man, you know, I created this thing. Is, is this really what I want? Or um, we have to constantly reassess the way our business is going if we feel out of alignment. Um, and the truth is today something might align with me in my business where next month it won't or next year it totally won't. And so we're constantly making these shifts in our businesses and tapping into our intuition and, and seeing how we're feeling 
Um, and so these fears and doubts in ourselves can totally come up all the time. And they, they totally do. We all have that ego that tries to keep us safe. And we all have that voice in our head that, that tries to prevent us from stepping into our greatness. Um, and, and I'm aware of that. And that voice used to run my life. Um, unfortunately, but then when I made a shift and, and I made that identity shift and said, you know what, I can choose to create whatever reality I want. Um, I do that and I definitely mind myself talk and I definitely stopped complaining and I, and I take action now instead of complaining and, and I think about what the outcome is that I want and, and take whatever actions are aligned with that. But I also hire mentors because they are the greatest permission givers to be like, you know what, Kira, you're doing this and it's kind of dumb. Maybe you should do this instead. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. Um, or they'll just say exactly what I already thought I should do. And, uh, and then I feel like, oh, okay, like, yeah, now, now I can do it. Now I'm feeling really excited because someone really thinks that this is a good idea and that's exciting. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm always investing in mentors because that fear never goes away in anyone. Um, but it's just how you manage that fear and navigate through it. Um, and I think that having a coach or a mentor is a great way to make sure that you're keeping yourself on track even more than you could do on your own. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just from, from my experience in, in the businesses that, that, that I'm starting to run and started to build, it tends to be something that is very much repeated um, on a daily basis or sometimes just just an hourly basis sometimes you know like fear always shows up it always I mean no, no matter who you are or, or what you do for, for, for greater or lesser degrees it does eventually show up you know it almost as well at the times when you you least expect it that's always the it's always the downshift it's always the downside of it is that if you can see it come in, then then you're fine. You know, it's often the it's often the moments when you least expect it that it does it does kick you to the floor, and you want to then decide to get back up. Have you got any strategies for us for for managing our fear? Then, so if we take for granted, or at least take as given that fear does show up no matter what, have you got any strategies for us to help us manage? Well, your fear, um, and yeah, that's a good question. Like, how do you manage your fear? You don't. You just move scared. And that's something that I learned uh, that I needed to, to do because your fear is going to show up as soon as you're doing something that takes you out of your comfort zone. And the thing is, it's amazing to feel uncomfortable because if you always felt comfortable, that would mean that you're never growing. You're never challenging yourself to do anything more than what you're doing in this moment. And that's really damn boring and unfulfilling. So the moment that you do something that makes you feel really uncomfortable, that means that you're about to grow. And on the other side of that challenge or that thing that you're afraid of is another new opportunity and another level from which you can live your life uh, with just, you know, that sense of pride and, and, and achievement. So um, with that said, whenever I get scared, uh, let's say, for example, with sales calls, um, I don't really fear sales calls anymore, but in the past, I really, really did. I was so nervous uh, to get on the phone with people and enroll them into my program. So what I used to do is just walk up to my mirror in my bathroom or my bedroom, and I would have a pep talk with myself. And I would just go in like it was a locker room style pep talk. And, and I did not censor myself in any way. Um, so what something like I might have said would I would look at myself in the eyes like so intently and I'd be like, okay, Kira, so you're scared of a sales call? You're scared of this person who booked a call to work with you? And I'm like, don't you remember that you survived cancer? Like, that's hilarious that you survived cancer, but you're afraid of a little effing sales call. Like, don't be a little <laughs> bitch. You know, I would start like cursing at myself and making fun of myself. Um, and, and then I would be like, listen, you have something to offer this person or else they wouldn't have booked the call. So go out there, serve them. There is no agenda. There is no outcome that needs to happen just show up and serve and have fun but you got that secret sauce girl so get on that phone and have some fun you know so I would just like brainwash myself through just looking my at myself in the eyes and and talking to myself and 
And, and I still do that. Like I'm still nervous about speaking in public. Um, so every time I do a big speech at like a seminar or, or if I have a live event, I, I'm so nervous. So I'll just go in and find a bathroom. Even if I'm at a, you know, random hotel, I will find a bathroom and, and talk to myself, even if people are in there. <laughs> you know, it, it just has to get done. But you've got to move scared so that you can grow in life. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can just imagine you sort of standing in front of the mirror and then like screaming at yourself when someone walks in halfway through. Yeah. Oh, oh, the funny moments that we can have. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people out there listening now that probably do have, or at least try, almost experience like the the two voices, you know, the voice that we, we speak that's quite, that could be censored and then the voice that, that isn't, you know, the voice is inside our own heads. As you said, you start cursing, you start swearing at yourself and shouting at yourself saying, you know, come on, you survive cancer, you can do this. And it's, it's interesting when you mention that because there could be people listening now that are probably like, oh, it's not just me, you know, it's, if it happens to you, it happens to them, then it happens to me as well. So there's a lot of people that do experience the same things. So this is going to seem a little bit strange, really, uh, before we get into the, the more nitty-gritty of the, the work that you do with, with coaches and people that run their own businesses. And it is, what, what do you think, at least, about this idea? Because one, one of the things that stands out from everything that we've spoken about is being different. So... Mm-hmm. What, what are your views or your thoughts or your insights on the idea of the fact that we might think that we're different, but it's amazing how similar we are? Mm. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that, so can you repeat the question? Yeah, yeah, sure. So what, what, what are your thoughts on the idea that we think that we are potentially so different from everybody else, but mm-hmm. then eventually we start to realize how similar we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's important for everyone to just be themselves and and not try to be like other influencers in their industry or things of that nature. So just focus on like being your authentic self. And then, like you said, deep down, we are all very similar. We all have the same fundamental needs. So when you can tap into what other people really want, I mean, really, what people want is to feel connected, to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves and to feel like they belong somewhere, to feel loved. Um, we all want that at the end of the day. So if you can always remember that uh, the person on the other side of the phone, if you're having a sales call or, or one of your clients or um, one of your friends who's maybe in a terrible mood today, um, just remember that uh, they just want to feel like they belong and, and something's off in the moment. Uh, it'll always like help you operate through a different lens where uh, you can have compassion and, and, and serve at a, at a different level. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're going to try to get a little bit specific with regards to the, the work that you actually do now, Kira. So this has all been very insightful. I've, I've actually filled loads and loads of pages in my notebook of notes and things to take away. And, hopefully people listening to this have probably done the same thing but um how do you think that people can can benefit from this idea of of sales calls and and marketing and and things of that nature so that's that's your that's your area so to speak of how you help people so what 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 do you see changing in terms of marketing and what what would you say the the best practices are at the moment Mm mm-hmm Yeah. So just to be clear, I help coaches get clients. So it's everything from like creating the vision of their business and getting really clear of what problem they're solving and who they're solving it for and what the value is of that. So they can really clearly communicate that. Um, And then from there, it's like creating their signature process, whether that is an online course um, or something of that nature. But I help my clients create their offers and then go out and market it so that they can attract new clients consistently. Uh, So going back to your question of where do I see the future of marketing headed? Uh, Well, now marketing is more of an attention game. So whoever can get the most attention online is essentially going to make the most money because 
the market, the online market of entrepreneurship is, is so oversaturated and there are so many gurus and fake gurus. And so the way that you can really differentiate yourself is to be omnipresent or to create the sense of being everywhere all the time. And of course, when I talk about attention, you want to do it in a tasteful way, but you really just want to be yourself and show up and add value, whether that be teaching your audience really cool stuff about what you know, or it just be like showing up and, and having an authentic story that you share from your own experience so that people can really relate to you. Um, the bottom line is the more that you're posting on social media and allowing yourself to be seen and allowing your voice to be heard... Um, and if on top of that, you can create some sort of lead magnet or freebie that gets people onto your email list where you're emailing them consistently. And if on top of that, you can get people onto a messenger chat bot where you're contributing to them there as well, then if you can show up on all those different platforms, then you will definitely develop this sense of omnipresence. And uh, that's something that a lot of people say when they uh, get on a sales call with me. They're like, man, I've seen you everywhere since I saw your first ad. Like you're just showing up left and right. And that is very deliberate on my end because it takes on average 16 exposures before someone trusts you enough to make a decision to work with you or to have that conversation to, to see if it's a good fit. And so the more exposures you can get to your ideal client avatar, the better. And uh, so definitely, definitely keep in mind how can, like ask yourself the question every day, especially if you want to grow a business or take your business to the next level, just ask like, how can I develop this sense of omnipresence? Like, what am I doing great with and what areas am I totally missing that definitely could take my brand presence to the next level um, and then just go and uh, tackle those those next platforms whether they be an email list or using manychat.com to build a messenger chat bot um, but yeah you just want to be more visible period right so does it matter how frequently so let's just say you could have like all 16 touches in a day or once a day or once a week or once a month obviously that that naturally extends the, the time before which they might be in a position to to buy from you that that sort of thing does it matter the the frequency is there is there an optimum way is, is there something that's common that you see that's that's most effective yeah, well, I would say um, if you're growing your business organically, meaning you're not spending money on ads or anything, definitely make sure that you're posting on your Facebook page once a week. Um, I would recommend just doing it on your personal page because on the Facebook business page, they keep the visibility of your posts very low on purpose because they want you to click that little blue button that says boost post because yeah. they want you to pay to play. Um, so the way that I built my audience was organically, I just made Facebook videos on my personal page at least once a week and that built up an audience. And then, um, and I also built up an email list that I used to email once a week as well. Uh, but now that I'm utilizing paid traffic because I wanted to expand my reach and of course get faster results and, and have more of a grip on my financial destiny, um, now I am putting money behind content. So like I'm running people to a freebie that gets them on my email list. And now I actually email people every single day. Um, in addition to that, I have a Facebook group that I uh, get people on once they're on my email list. So then they see my content in the group where I post every day. Um, and, and on top of that, I offer an ethical bribe to get people onto my messenger chatbot where then I provide weekly tips. So I'm just constantly adding value and I'm also retargeting people. Uh, once they get my lead magnet and I know they're on my email list, I actually pay to put posts on Facebook in front of their faces uh, so that they just start seeing me on their news feeds. Um, let's say they never joined my Facebook group or they haven't been checking it um, or maybe they never made it to my messenger chatbot and, and they, they aren't getting messages there. Well, 
once they get my guide, I'm targeting them with just normal posts or normal videos so that they can see my face and consume my content, whether they like it or not. Uh, but, but of course, they always have the option to unsubscribe if they don't like it um, and things of that nature. So by the time someone actually gets on the phone to work with me, you bet your ass they are super warm, super hot and ready to go. They already know who I am because I have put myself all over in front of their faces. And uh, so I think it's a really, really great thing to do as long as you are, of course, being ethical and really, really contributing great value from the heart, then uh, allow yourself to be visible and allow your voice to be heard. Um, and don't hold back because I think a lot of people are afraid that it's going to be too much for their audience to see them that much. Um, but listen, if, if they don't like your post, they can scroll right past it. If they don't like your emails, they can unsubscribe. So never worry about showing up and contributing value to the world because that will attract the exact clients who will be the best fit to work with you ever. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So it seems it seems at least like this idea of, of retargeting is something that keeps keeps you in front of of people's faces, as you mentioned. So obviously, if people people do or don't take action on something, they're going to see you anyway because you've got this idea of, of retargeting. And I also quite like the idea that you mentioned of sometimes it's just posts, you know, just because they they see you so that eventually once they book on a, a call with you or a session or whatever the case is they've at least seen you so many times i mean do you do you wait a certain amount of time do you still have funnels do you only show certain types of people or you don't actually uh, how's it explain it do you only give people the opportunity to work with you once they've got to a certain point or, or do you keep sort of asking people to work, to work with you all the time um, yeah, so I have a really, really elaborate sales funnel. Like I have a marketing funnel that's so beautiful and, and so valuable and I'm so proud of it. Uh, so essentially what I do is I attract people using an ethical bribe, like I said, like a, a lead magnet that's super valuable. Um, I'll offer that to people and of course I'm targeting them with ads so they have specific interests that I know would align with my ideal client avatar. Um, and once they opt in to get the, right now it's a guide that I'm promoting. So once they get the free guide from me, then I'm following up with emails that are building relationships with them. Um, and then I'm inviting them to uh, join my implementation workshop where I take everything I taught them in the guide and I set it into specific actions so they can implement those actions and grow their business. Um, and that is where I invite people to work with me. So um, if they feel like it's a great fit, they'll go ahead and book a call. And that is how I get clients on the phone and enroll them consistently. So, uh, so yeah, there's definitely a process. If they don't take me up on booking a call um, in just that first process, let's say they never even make it to the implementation workshop. Well, you bet your ass if they're on my email list that I'm going to be making offers from time to time. Uh, that's, you know, this is a business and this is definitely a business and I definitely love money and I definitely love contributing to other people's lives. So, um, yeah, I, as long as they remain on my email list and in all of my different platforms where I'm marketing, which I just talked about like four different platforms I market from, um, they're definitely going to be getting amazing content from me for free and they're definitely going to receive invitations to work with me as well all right cool so you, you, you mentioned a handful of times about the idea of selling on the phone and and that kind of thing so is there a particular process is it kind of be the last sort of thing that we go through do you have a process that you take people through or is it kind of purely based on their answers so if we imagine a coach looking for for, for more clients and they, they want to go about it through the, the sales call process. Is there a script? Do you, is it more about trying to find out what, what, what they actually want to get from working with you and everything's crafted that way? I mean, what's, what's the, you don't have to go into um, actual phrases and specifics if you don't want to, but just give us an, an idea on what the sales call is like. 
Well, yeah, there definitely has to be a process because if, if you just like um, call someone who booked a call with you, they might just be like, whoa, I saw you online and you seem so cool. What's up? And you don't just want to like cut the cut the shit with all these people on the phone all day. Like you, you've got a business to run. So um, I definitely control the frame of the sales call. As soon as people get on the call with me, I let them know exactly how the call is going to go. I let them know that I'm going to be asking them questions to find out if or how I feel like I can support them. I'm going to find out what's working for them in their business and what isn't. And I'm also going to look for what exactly they're looking to create in their business. And if I authentically feel like I can help them achieve their goals, then I'll let them know and I'll invite them to work with me. But if I don't feel like I can help them, then I'll refer them to a friend. But either way, I want to help them get massive clarity and I'll add massive value to them. And uh, once I let people know that like this is how the call is going to go, they just agree to it. And from there on any sales call, you want to know uh, what the person wants. So like, what's the goal? Why, why did they book that call with you? What is it that they want that you've got? Um, you want to understand why they want that. You want to understand what's preventing them from getting it. Like if they know what they want, then why didn't they just go out and get it themselves? And also you want to know what they've tried in the past and uh, like what wasn't successful and what was so that you have a background about what approaches they've tried. And that way you can diagnose what the main problem is because you can say, okay, so you've tried X, Y, Z, but have you ever done this other thing over here? Um, and so essentially when I find out exactly what the problem is in their business, uh, then I'll let them know what that is and I'll, I'll make them aware that it's impossible for them to achieve their goals if this specific problem isn't handled. And so that's when I'll invite people to work with me if I totally know that I can help them solve their problem and I let them know more about my program and, and what that experience looks like. Um, and if it's not a good fit, I'll just kind of screen them off the phone and like uh, I'll, I'll just authentically let them know it's not a good fit and I'll send them over to my free resources if, uh, if they want to learn some more things on their spare time. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to have a sales process so that uh, you, you really cut to the chase and, and reach the outcome of what that person needs. They, they likely need a transformation. So definitely find out if you're the person who can help them get that transformation and then invite them to work with you if you feel like you can help them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely echo that. I mean, it's all about, it's all about helping people and got to find out what, what they need help with before you can then go ahead and provide that help. You know, it's just uh, the sales call from everything that you've said there just comes across as a process of getting to know what they're struggling with and then you can then help them with that. That seems to be the, the underlying thing there. Um, so you mentioned something to do with um, messenger bots before. Was, was that ManyChat, was it? Was that right? Yeah. All right, cool. I'm just making making notes. That's all. Um, do you have any other resources? These can be books or or apps or something that the people might be able to to use to to benefit them and just see what to see what people can can use really. So there could be books, there could be apps, there could be websites. Anything that, that you, you've benefited from that you think our listeners have benefited from as well. Um, totally. And I've actually created a summary for that. Is it okay if I share the guide that I was talking about? Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. Okay, cool, Michael. So, um, if you visit kirapalme.com forward slash guide, then you can get a free guide that'll help you attract clients using social media. And so I took all of my favorite resources and I put them into this guide that is, uh, super, super practical, um, there are action steps and everything outlined for you to take in order to grow your business. Um, and my name is spelled a little bit funky. It's K-E-A-R-A-P-A-L-M-A-Y.com forward slash guide. And you can grab that. And that'll give you everything you need and more to start growing your business. All right, excellent. Well, just before we, we shoot off, Kira, because I'm aware that we are probably over the hour mark now, uh, we've got one, one last question, and it is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Uh, um, let's see. What would I like the world to know about me? 
Um, I think we're all just figuring it out as we go, right? So the same deal with me. Like it, it might look like um, I'm so achieved and, you know, I've achieved so many things and I've got best-selling books and logos around my head and, and all this social proof that uh, I'm really good at what I do. But the thing is, uh, I'm just figuring it out as I go. And I've liberated uh, myself in, in knowing and believing that I don't need to always know the end result. I don't, e- I don't need to always know what my life's purpose is or what I'm going to do for the rest of my life because I'm wise enough now to know that that vision is always going to evolve as my needs and my interests and passions evolve. So um, the truth is, if you feel like you don't have all your stuff together, um, none of us really do. It's all an illusion if, if, if it appears like someone's got everything together. So whatever position you're in in your life or your business right now, just know that you've got everything it takes to succeed and make a difference in the world. And you can consider me your permission giver today to really step into your greatness. Um, And so that is what I would let people know, Michael. Excellent. Right. Well, Kara, thanks for for carving out the time for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. Awesome. Talk to you later, Michael.